and welcome everyone. I am thrilled to bring Nat here. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm really well. Um, it's not that often, as I've just described in the intro, that I have guests on my podcast, but I bought your book and uh, let me just... Oh, thank you. That's a good... Yes, um, I'm just plugging my phone in. Sorry. Oh, my goodness, it's all happening. Yes, yes. I'm. Oh, well, I'm glad you got my book. Um, that makes me happy as an author. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm sure it would. And I love to... I mean, obviously, I love reading about this stuff. I love you know, hearing about what everyone else's stories are like. But I do love speaking with someone who's Australian because you're probably the same. Most of your audience are in the US. Most of the people you collaborate with are in the US. So love that you were an Aussie. Yeah. But it's always um, nice to work on the same time zone too, isn't it? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, big yes to that. Um, yeah. But I bought your book and there was sort of, it wasn't what really what I expected, um, but there were big yes to three things in your book, Beautiful You, that stood out to me. The first one was that in sex ed class, all I can remember anyone really telling me was to wear a condom and that it takes, it doesn't take nine months to make a baby. It actually is more closer to 10 months. That's literally all I can remember. And, like, and you did a great job then. That was a massive impact for you, wasn't it? <laughs> and so then, you know, like many of the listeners here is now we've got infertility and we're like, oh, what the fuck is going on? Oh, and how, when do I ovulate? Like step number one, when do I actually ovulate? How do I know when I'm ovulating? So that was one big takeaway from the book. Another one was... From, you know, so you're a doctor of traditional Chinese medicine, so I would put you in the medical kind of field, just how much you spoke about stress and how stress manifests in our body. So that was number two. Number three, um, the other thing that I thought about your book was, you know, I know that for some people they'll be buying this book, you know, maybe for their daughters or things like that, but from my perspective, when I'm someone who spends all day talking to people with infertility, I found it really empowering um, because infertility, number one, we start at like sex ed 101 trying to discover what the fuck is going on with our bodies. Um, but also when we start going to conventional medicine, we can feel really disempowered um, because it, it feels like everything's taken out of our hands. We don't understand what's going on. Uh, and I found your book really empowering because it's literally coming back to listen to your body you know you and like you are the best detective for your body like you know what's going on you know here there's clues absolutely everywhere um you know you can start advocating for yourself you can start listening to warning signs and things like that and start you know controlling taking back some of the control from your journey and that's what I want to talk about today. So I want to talk about infertility warning signs and how you can be your best detective. Um, and obviously for me, it's been now seven years since I first started trying to conceive, but it's been two years since Olivia was born and since I had the hysterectomy during her birth 
And I am in this place right now where I'm like, fuck, I would just like to know actually if I, am I, I think I'm ovulating now. Am I actually ovulating now? So our periods are just, I think, one of the biggest gifts that we have as women. They're very beautiful. And that came across very strongly in the book anyway. But if we're talking about infertility warning signs, seems logical to start. And this is where I'm going to stop talking. Can you talk to me a little bit about cycle length and how that can be a really good indicator that something might be off? Yeah. So I think, I mean, your period serves up so, or your menstrual cycle serves up so much information every month. Um, I know Lara Bryden refers to it as your monthly report card. Um, And I like that, but I want you to look at it all month round, not just when you're bleeding. And often that's a time that we focus on it because it might not be that great. It might be painful. It might be heavy. Um, I'm always trying to, to look at a woman's whole cycle and work out when she's ovulating, how long is her follicular phase, so from her period to ovulation, how long is her luteal phase, so from ovulation to her period. And if that isn't balanced as such, then that's the first place that we need to look. Not the period. <laughs> the period comes after that, right? So, you know, a healthy follicular phase should be around 11 to 14 days at least, sorry, 11, but around 14 days. And the same for the luteal phase. Now, if you've got one of those that's shorter or one of those that's longer, it's giving you a clue as to what your estrogen and progesterone are mainly doing. And I think that's a really big gift that we are definitely not taught when we're 16. Um, And that you can start to then become curious around, well, hang on a minute, I'm ovulating maybe, like ideally we would ovulate on cycle day 14 and ideally we'd feel great when we did that. But so many women have other symptoms and signs. They feel nauseous when they ovulate or they're confused with their cervical fluid and they're like, is that discharge and is that disgusting? You know, do I, some women come in and say, well, I wear a panty liner all month round because that stuff is gross and it comes out of me and I don't really want to know what that is or deal with it. And I'm like, well, it's kind of telling you so much about your health. Um, I don't know why we'd want to not learn that. Um, And then the same thing again. So your luteal phase needs to be at least 11, but ideally 14 days. And a period we would want to last for around five days. Now, what we also don't talk about is that there's variation with that. And that doesn't mean necessarily that there's a problem, but we also go through phases and stages as women. So it's not always going to be the same. And the biggest impact on your menstrual cycle will be stress of some kind. Whether it's external, internal, emotional, Um, stress isn't just running late to pick the kids up from school. Stress is um, what is your gut health doing? Is your liver detoxifying properly? Um, You know, do you wake up every morning, look in the mirror, and go, "Oh wow, you just look awful," or um, are you burning the candle at both ends? It's so many things. It's many, many, many things that we're you know, exposing ourselves to or putting ourselves in the situation of. And our sex hormones are super sensitive to that. So, you know, for most women, what I see is their menstrual cycles maybe are, you know, between 28 to 32 days is considered normal, maybe a little bit outside of that. Some might say 26 to 34. Um, So long as it's regular for you, that's the aim here. We want it to be regular and we want to be able to pinpoint ovulation And we wanted to also be able to have a fairly effortless period. We have been, it's been drummed into us that 
sorry, honey, you get your period, you're going to have pain. It's just the, what part of being a woman is. That's just the way that it goes. And no, pain is inflammation, not supposed to be there. So again, what is your report card telling you? And if you feel awful when you're ovulating, what is that telling you? Do you have pain when you ovulate? What is that telling you? So many clues. But I guess the number one thing I see, if I was to say what's the most common issue I see for women, and that's too much estrogen in their body that will do crazy things to their menstrual cycles. More estrogen, more later ovulation, more lining, more lining, more heavy bleeding. And so you can start to paint the picture and get some really um, obvious clues around that. Yeah. And I love that. And, you know, in the book, pretty much like straight up at the front, you talk about all of these different ways. Um, And sometimes, you know, people can bang on about things even like, electromagnetic fields and switching your phone onto airplane mode and people are oh no but I need to know if I'm getting a notification but that can even throw out your estrogen so it's so important and you've got like a whole list of you know like things to consider within there Um, and I love that you know you've talked about ovulation pain you are one of the only people that I've ever seen who talks about ovulation pain is not necessarily like a good or normal thing uh, and also, most people only talk about you know, <clears throat> if your luteal phase is too short, not many people talk about your follicular phase or, you know, like if your luteal phase is too long. So it's just really interesting because there is this balance here. And when you go to a fertility specialist's office, no one's cut, like they're relying on things like blood tests and, you know, like the real medical kind of stuff. But here we are with all of these clues that our body is sending us. What clues are there? Do you know what I would say to that? Sorry to cut you yes. off. No. If I can, I just want to talk to natural fertility for a second because there is so much wisdom in natural fertility. And it's even if you need to reap the benefits of assisted conception, what your body's telling you naturally is so spot on. <laughs> so, you know, using this regardless, and, and I see this often, you know, patients will come in, they'll have a short uh, follicular phase, they'll be using IVF, or they might be having a long, whatever it might be. And I'll say, all right, so what's the plan here? And they'll say, oh, well, blood test day 10, um, and then we'll see from there, scan day 10. And I'm like, what happens if you've already ovulated? And they're like, well, no one talked about that. I'm like, depends on what sort of cycle you're doing, depends on what your IVF, what protocol your, your, um, your IVF doctor has you on. But if you're naturally cycling and we know that you ovulate early, then we need to talk to that. We need to be able to use that information. And so uh, to prompt the questions for whatever they're doing, whoever they're seeing, and there's so much wisdom in that and so much logic in that. And that's what we need to bring back into this whole fertility game is logic. How do we bring logic back in? Because it goes out the window and we can be put through cycle after cycle after cycle. And it gets to be something that I think, you know, the longer that goes on, the harder that gets. And I can speak to that too. You know, I wrote Beautiful You for the patients that were 32. And had they have known that information 16 years ago, they might not have been in that position. They might not have had, you know, 20 years without a period. So. I just think that the wisdom that your body does serve you is so important as you're saying, but how do we bring this wisdom in from a young age so that we can really change the game and fix things from the get-go, not 16 years later? 
Yeah. And it's so true what you say that it doesn't have to be either or. We don't have to have a completely natural approach. You know, they could conventional medicine and, you know, other forms, natural medicine, natural fertility can work alongside each other. And it's also not always about, you know, like I have endometriosis, so now I'm fucked and it's just IVF. Okay, well, but there's things that you can do that can still improve um, your results, that can still um, help you get better success on cycles as well. Yeah, absolutely. So when we're talking about, you know, like infertility warning signs or warning signs that things aren't right, we can go beyond our periods as well, can't we? Oh, my goodness, yes. Like I said, the period is kind of like the icing on the cake. The period is the, this is proof that you're not pregnant, but it should be proof that you've ovulated. Um, And I think that's something that a lot of people get very confused about. If it's a true period and you know if it's not, because you would say to me, oh, I had the weirdest bleed. It was kind of like, it was a bit early and it was a bit um, brown and it wasn't normal. It was a bit odd. I spotted, you know, generally, if you know your body, that it wasn't a proper period. So a period will always follow ovulation if you have properly ovulated. There's no two ways about it. You cannot have a period without um, ovulating. You can have a bleed, but like I said, it's very, very different. So what is that telling you? Um, but when we talk about fertility, uh, the period's the least of my... Well, I mean, it, gives you, it can give you evidence that you're improving maybe if you have something like um, endometriosis and, you know, one period you're on the bathroom floor for three hours and the next period you manage to actually hold a conversation with someone. That's a vast difference and then we want to be able to check in on that to know we're moving in the right direction. But ovulation for me is the hero and like you said, I got curious around fertility 15 years ago because every second woman had ovulation pain and I had no idea why. Hmm. And so I went on this path of learning to work out for my patients, why are they experiencing this? Nobody's talking about it. And it took me a really long time to get to the bottom of that. Now, 15 years ago, we were talking very differently around fertility than what we are today. And we know a lot more today. But for me, it's a standout symptom of excess estrogen for my patients. Um, and I will always get them on a combination of a very simple mix of magnesium and chase tree. Um, if they have ovulation pain, it works 99% of the time for patients. Um, you've got to get your body metabolizing your estrogen better. And the estrogen load from our lifestyles, from toxins, from, like you said, EMFs, um, stress, uh, the food we eat, the quality of our water, all of that drives estrogen estrogen crazy on top of the fact that stress just pulls the handbrake on progesterone. So that combination can be, um, it's easily fixed if we know what to do. And the number one thing that I would start with most of my patients, I'd say 90% of my patients are estrogen dominant or have excess estrogen. Yeah. Um, but we can also look at things like uh, like acne on our face. Oh, yeah. We can look at um, oh, just like I was really surprised when I was reading the book of you. You were like you had a, you've got a picture of like estrogen um, acne here means this acne here means this and like just looking at bloating and you know we have bloating at different times of the month, all sorts of different clues that our body sends us all of the time that we just need to take the time to stop and listen, watch, you know, learn from. Absolutely. Do you know, the reason I did that also 
was because I want young women to be motivated to be able to learn about their health. Now, I don't think a 16-year-old gives two craps about her fertility, um, but she should. Uh, but 16-year-olds know better than most of the world. So I think, and that's fine because they're supposed to. That's the phase and stage of life they're going through. Yeah. Um, so I'm not, I'm not um, you know, I'm not <laughs> doing that, but I just think it's hilarious. But I know that I can speak to a 16-year-old about acne and I know I can speak to a 16-year-old about period pain or bloating or weight gain or their hair falling out. Yeah. So really tapping into that to then allow me to have these deeper conversations. Um, and, you know, everyone is saying to me, well, you've marketed this book at young women and yeah, but the, the feedback has also been, yeah, but it should be for all women. I'm like, I know that, but you know, I would be encouraging all women to read it. I would definitely be encouraging mothers or want to be mothers to read it as well, because this information is what we need to pass on to this next generation. And I think the, one of the biggest problems and reasons we're finding ourselves as women of our age facing fertility challenges is because we never had the conversation with us as an evolutionary conversation it was just you turned 13 holy crap this is bad i don't want you falling pregnant when you're 14 and how do we put the lid on that and keep you tamed <laughs> and here's a pad <laughs> Take yeah, it. No, no, no. and you know what when i got my period and i'm pretty sure when you got yours those pads were horrific. They didn't have wings. Those wings are revolutionary. The pads that we had, they did backflips. All I did for the first two days of my period, I reckon, when I first got it, was check every 30 minutes to make sure that thing hadn't migrated somewhere it shouldn't be and I was bleeding all over myself. Like, you know, that evolution has in itself been a game changer. But, yeah, we were handed a pad and kind of, you know, the, the conversations around what happened to our bodies Really, they need to happen from when our kids start asking them. And it doesn't have to be this graphic, like, you know, replay of what happened in the bedroom the night before, but it just needs to tick the boxes of sharing the facts. And I think if we can constantly be sharing the facts, you can't argue with the facts. This is what I've learned over my years. You know, complementary medicine is hilarious because it lends itself to um, lots of different types of characters talking about health, which is fine. Um, but often we are seen as a little bit crazy until the rest of science catches up. So I always say, look, if you want to find what's next in medicine, look to complementary medicine because they're already talking about it. And nine and a half times out of 10, it, you know, it starts as being a crazy idea that then becomes something that's just fact. So I know that if I speak to the facts that I can never get in trouble with that. So we need to do that with our children. We need to do that with our young adults and we need to do that when it comes to even our fertility as we get, as we get older. How do we speak to the facts? Because they don't lie. They're always real. Yeah. And it's so, so true that, you know, like we can't, or sometimes there are things that will never harm your fertility or will never harm your health, but they don't always get promoted by conventional medicine unless there's a double blind placebo trial uh, that is finally <laughs> publicised in one of the number one journals. Uh, and that's, you know, like we can't always wait for that because oh. you know, like 99% of my audience are like between 30 and 35 type A career-driven women who have now gone, fuck, what the fuck is going on? We don't have like so much time to you know sit and do things so we need to get onto it pronto we need to now because as you said nobody told us about wellness from 
you know, like a health perspective and listening to our bodies and what is normal, what is not normal, that we need to start at the beginning where, you know, like you're hoping that, you know, the 16, 17-year-olds start, but we're like 30, 35, we need to read books like this so that we know what the... Well, it's rehashing what you might have already learned but then forgotten and as your fertility journey has gotten more and more, you know, in-depth you're forgotten about that stuff because you're knee deep in injections and, and, you know, um, scans and, and transfers and whatever. And all of a sudden you've forgotten about the other stuff that actually really counts. And, you know, people ask me all the time, what really is the number one thing that I can do to support my fertility? And I'm like, it's not just fertility. The number one thing that anyone can do to support their body is look at their nutrition, hands down. It, your food is either going to take you where you want to go or where you don't want to go. And it's the one thing that you have a lot of control over. Yes. Whereas you don't necessarily have control over the other stuff. Now, what I don't want is for people to become obsessive about it because that's not useful either. So how do we find a balance that's a happy medium? And how do you still get to live your life? Because the other thing that I find when it comes to fertility is that we decide, A, we want a baby, and then we kind of put our life on hold in the meanwhile and, you know, I would say many babies are conceived in wild and wonderful circumstances, especially after one night out as a bender. And as a practitioner, you know, the amount of women that I've had sitting in my office crying their eyes out saying, I'm pregnant and I'm pretty sure I had a night out two weeks ago and it probably didn't do very good things for my health. And I'll be like, who cares? Don't worry about it. You know, those one-off random, it's, if you're not doing that every night of the week, if you're doing that every night of the week, we probably need to have a conversation. But, you know, I think we, we put things on hold and we wait. And that's, and then it becomes so consuming. And there's one tool I teach my, my patients um, that, are, that are trying to conceive. And I think it's the best tool. And that is that I say to them, okay, as of now, you are going to think, act and behave as if you're pregnant, yep. you know. what would And not so much the I can't let my hair down part, it's just stay with me for a second. If you were pregnant today, yes, right now, yes, what would you do differently that you're not doing? Would you stay at work till 7.30 p.m. and be really, no, you wouldn't care less. You'd be out the door, right? You'd be like 5 o'clock, 5.30, I'm out of here. I don't need to be here anymore. Would you be worried about X, Y, or Z? Nope, you wouldn't be. Would you go to bed at night with this little tingly, exciting feeling knowing that, well, I did it, so how do I get you to align to that feeling? Don't worry about the other bits. Don't worry about the feeling is what I want people to align to because if we can bring that feeling in, then the rest will come. But that's the part that I think goes out the window when we're like, oh, my goodness, i got to pee on a stick. Oh, my goodness, I ate, I drank alcohol and I shouldn't have done it. Oh, my goodness, I didn't get to the gym this morning. I'm not giving this my best shot. And there's this, you know, this whole um, dialogue that's going on in our head that is not supportive at all. So I get patients, I don't care. Sometimes I say, I don't care about the other stuff. I need to get your head right. And how do we do that? And the quickest and fastest way to do that is to just start to bring in that feeling. If I knew I was pregnant today, what would it feel like? And, yeah. and align to that. And, and every time it's overwhelming and every time someone else, you know, announces that they're pregnant or whatever else it might be, just bring, I know you're allowed, you're allowed to have your little minute of, I hate you right now. And then you're allowed to invite in the feeling of, but hang on a minute, that feeling, you know, I know what that feels like. I know what that would feel. I think I know what that would feel like. A bit like when you've been on a holiday and you come home and, you know, the holiday 
the, the, it's all about the anticipation. When you're on the holiday, you just live in your life. That's great. And then you get home, you're like, I wish I enjoyed that more. But you can still bring that feeling back in. So it's just inviting back that feeling. And it just shifts the perspective slightly. And, you know, I can say to patients all the time, you can eat all of the nutrition on the planet. But if every day you're telling yourself this is not going to happen, then we need to change that. That's the hard. And that's really freaking hard. Um, but we're also, we live in a society that feeds the fears. And, you know, you've all got that one friend that's like bat crap crazy and they say they're going to do things and they freaking do it every time and you're like, who are you? Like that was against all odds. And, but you know what? They believed they were going to do it. So they did. There was nothing stopping them. So it's almost like that. It's like you got to believe that you're going to do it and that there's going to be nothing stopping you and it's your turn. And that's why I get patients to do. And, you know, like I said, nutrition is a big, big part of that and big, big part of your health. But the mindset part is without doubt. And I talk about mindset in the book as well for young people, especially like how do you invite in exactly what you want and yeah. let go of what's not serving you anymore? Yeah. Which is so, yeah. Which is completely- and it's easier said than done. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's easier said than done, but it's got to be said because if we don't talk about that, we're not talking about the real core of what's actually going on, you know. Um, yeah, it's hard. And, you know, like if you don't, I always say as well, like if you don't fix your mind and you're just riddled with anxiety, it's not just going to magically melt away when you fall pregnant. No, <laughs> my goodness, no, 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 absolutely not. It's not, no. And, you know, are you anxious because you are trying to work full-time, fit IVF in between and all your other appointments, you know, you're trying to get to your acupuncturist, you're trying to get to your naturopath, you're trying to get to your, you know, it's like, oh, my goodness, what is going on here? And I will say that to patients too. They'll say, when do I need to see you next? And I, sometimes I'll say, well, when's the less stressful time to get here? I don't really care when that is as long as I get to see you. But, you know, it's just about removing some of the pressure. Yeah. So let's go back to one of the most, the biggest audiences that I have is women with unexplained infertility, which is the big head fuck, uh, let's be honest. Uh, and I really want to talk to something that you wrote in Beautiful You, um, which is that, you know, so if we look, go back to conventional medicine and, you know, they give you a blood test and the HSG, it, unexplained infertility just means they can't find what is wrong and it doesn't mean, okay, now you're just fucked. Like, so if we go to traditional Chinese medicine and, you know, what do you say to people with unexplained infertility. Do you know what's hard again is getting them to believe that that's not their label, like you're saying, like it's not, doesn't define you. It's not a definitive diagnosis. None of them are real. I mean, you can let it define you and a lot of us like to feel comfort in that, but I don't think that's actually being proactive. There is no such thing as unexplained infertility. It's just not getting the answer. You haven't had somebody able to look hard enough to find what that might be. And, you know, maybe it could be something that is physical, mm -hmm. but is the physical being amplified by the stress and changing your cellular activity? And, and most of the time, yes, that's what's happening. And again, it comes back to then we've got to fix your head because that's, you know, that's where yeah. the stress is at. And so, you know, things like, for example, natural killer cells, classic example. You know, it's just 
when the body's under so much stress that it starts to do these things that are so um, against what you want it to be doing. But do you actually appreciate why it's doing it? Why is your body doing that? It's not hating you. Sometimes it's protecting you. I have a patient, she's long-term. Um, I was talking to her yesterday. Um, very, very interesting, but getting down to, and I'm not saying this is everybody, but just as an example, um, amenorrheic for a really long time. And through certain periods of time, we've been able to get her periods back, but then they go again. But when they come back, they tend to come back for several months of time. So we know she can do it, right? When, she, when the first time I got her to get her period back, I had her watch a, a, listen to a period party at my podcast episode and it was about a woman who hadn't had a period for a really long time, left her husband and her period came two weeks later, right? And I said, can you just listen to it? I'm not saying you need to leave your husband, but you just need to listen to this podcast. And so she listened to it and, and, and um, she got her period back, <laughs> right? And it was really soon after. Now, the magic wasn't the podcast. The magic was this, and I said to her yesterday, you know, when you got your period back that time, the stress that you were experiencing within your relationship, you opened up to the idea that that didn't need to be there anymore. And when you opened up to that idea and you started thinking about the freedom in that, your period came back. Now, and she cycled for quite some time after that. So that was really interesting. Then she came, when she came in yesterday, she thought, oh, I've been seeing another herbalist. And I'm like, well, that's a traitor. No, that's fine. I, don't <laughs> yeah. I really don't mind where people go. She said, I've been having my period. But the minute I stopped taking my herbs, it went again. Is it a sign that maybe I'm forcing something to happen that shouldn't be happening? And I said, well, it's interesting because the one time we got your period back without needing much at all was when we changed what your head was doing. So it just does talk to the fact that stress is a big factor. Now, the herbs that they've got you taking is helping you to iron out some stress creases as well. But is it sustainable to stay on herbs for the rest of your life for you to get a period? You've got to think about why you're not getting your period. And we addressed that was the first thing we did. We addressed that very reason. And that was to do with her relationship. So, you know, you're not going to walk into your IVF clinic and they're not going to turn around and say to you, do you really want a baby? Or does he really want a baby? Because yeah. that can be a factor for a lot of people. Or do you two really love each other? And the love often is something that does unfortunately suffer when you're under the pressure of conception because it becomes all about timing, sex, and, you know, whatever else is in between. So, you know, unexplained infertility, or talking back to the natural killer cells, well, they're going to be higher. The presence of those is going to be higher when you've got something triggering that, which is some type of stress in your body. And yes, you know, we can look into all weird and wonderful things, but at the end of the day, if you don't look at what that is, then that's not going to go away and you're not going to be your best fertile self. So it's always looking to where you can improve the smaller things that have this knock-on effect that I think is really important. And the same with genetics, you know, another reason we will start to investigate and we'll look and we'll rule out and we'll make sure genetically everything things okay and that can be important but what I know in researching and I'm wildly fascinated in genetics because I have a little boy that has a genetic condition and my husband and I had no idea that we were both carriers at the time of conception um, what I now know is that you know mothers that are depleted in certain vitamins and minerals as a carrier I'm more likely to express that gene when I'm deficient in certain vitamins and minerals so you know Whilst I can't blame myself because I don't know what I don't know, 
I was extremely stressed when I conceived my son and, um, and I can't help but think that that has had a knock-on effect. Now, we're lucky. He's ha- happy and healthy, but we're, you know, constantly working on that. And it does. It really makes me look into the world of genetics and it really makes me dive into that. Oh, sorry. Who's ringing me? Did you hear that? Oh, good. Oh, good. <laughs> Started ringing. Go away. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I just think we've got to look beyond... And this is what I'm saying, bring logic in and look beyond. We get very fixated. Oh, you have this or you have MTHFR or what does that really mean? You know, we can bypass most of these things now. We can biohack these things. Um, But really putting your body in the best and optimal state um, really for me is one way of making things safer, quicker and more effective. Yep. And it's the same even for things like, we can't just, people will say, oh, you've got diminished ovarian reserve because an AMH test mm. back. And you're like, Don't off. start me on AMH. Don't even start me on that because yeah. it's the biggest rubbish test on the planet. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the amount of women I've had to, you know, console in my office because they're beside themselves because their doctor said, that they, and this is the other thing, it's, it's, you know, <laughs> I've had women come and say, I have one egg left. And I'm like, you don't have one egg left. Like the number one doesn't mean one, you know. Yeah. Um, but what's really interesting with that is I will say to women all the time, I have had, I calculated because I had to this week that I have seen over 20, in my 15 years experience, I've seen over 25,000 women. Yeah. And that's a lot. <laughs> um, and, and so in doing that, in, you know, in some way, shape or form, I have, you know, met with or had masterclasses or whatever. Um, but in doing that, the amount of women that have come in devastated and we've had them retested, not me, their fertility clinics have had them retested and their AMH has completely changed. I'm like, hey, one of two things is going on here. Either the test is rubbish or we're not born with all of our eggs. Just an idea. I mean, if every other cell in our body can replicate, I don't, and we know that brain cells do now too. We used to think we killed them off and they were all gone and we were going to end up brain dead if we drank too much wine. Um, that's not the case. And there's theories around um, ovarian reserve and there's theories around um, you know, our, our follicles and if there's an infinite number and whatever. I know that when you're under stress, for whatever reason, your body tucks those follicles somewhere else that we don't get, we're not privileged to seeing where they are. I don't know where they go, but they're not there. Um, And then, you know, so this is why this number I think can change, but I definitely wouldn't be fixated again on AMH. You know, your AMH doesn't define you. It's a number and I've seen it improved pretty much every time. So if we can get the right things in place. So again, it comes down to identifying where the stresses are in the body and what we need to do to iron out those creases. So there's a common theme to this. Um, So before we do, we're going to do a quick round at the end. But I would say, you know, hopefully women are listening to this and feeling really empowered that they can go beyond what their fertility specialist has told them. They can go beyond their current set of knowledge so number one would be get the fucking book. <laughs> Not hard to read. No pressure. And stuff like that. Um, to then just to have a little read and have a better understanding. So that let's say that would be step one. Uh, and while we're on that, where do people in the US get the book? That's a really good question. People in the US need to go to my website, 
and they'll get a pop-up and it'll give them, uh, it's quite a reasonable sample of the book. They can't get it yet. We are etching closer every day to that happening. That is not an easy task. But um, you, can get the, you can get an excerpt of it and it still talks about endometriosis. There's some recipes in there, skin that you spoke about before. There's some really um, good nuggets from the book. So I would be begging, please, even if you don't want the book, <laughs> can you go and do that? Because then I can present these numbers to my publisher and go, okay, now... But we are getting closer. I have a meeting with a new agent next week, which is really exciting. So you just got to hang tight. But you cannot. And because Amazon killed, killed books for us all across the world. So Mm -hmm. unfortunately, that's you're just going to have to be patient. Unless you want to buy it off my website, actually, you could do that and pay silly postage amount. Yeah. But quite a lot of people are actually quite happy to do that. I know. We love that. That's yeah. another option. Yeah, you can, um, you can get it on my website. <laughs> and step, so step two, step one, you've got the book. You're like, oh, I feel more empowered now because I have a better understanding of my body. I know what's going on. Step number two, what would you suggest for people? Something within that reading would have re- resonated with you, whatever that is. And it's going to be different for everybody. I can't say to what that might be. But I know that, you know, we either walk away and go, oh, my goodness, I really need to check out what my testosterone is doing. That really resonated with me. Or you might park it and go, yeah, okay, I think I'm okay for now. This is really great reinforcement. I feel like I'm on the right track. But, you know, two weeks later, something will pop up and you'll remember and you'll be like, actually, that's been on my mind. So I, I would really try and sit with what resonates. Is there one thing that you'll, you know, like this symptoms bugging me. I really need to look at what that's telling me. Um, my website is many, many, many years old. And I would use the search function on that and type in whatever that is for you and see what answers come up. And that can then lead you on a bit of a path of where to go next or at least what questions to ask your healthcare providers. Um, I think that's the biggest issue is that we're not equipped to ask the right questions. When it comes to going to our doctors, we just take what they're saying as what we need to do. Now, maybe it is, but maybe it's not. And let's not forget that you at best sometimes get five minutes with your doctor. Um, And so asking the right questions becomes very important. And being empowered in that and working out what's best for you in that is um, only up to you. No one else can actually do that, which is really friggin' frustrating, but it is the way that it is. So... um, I would then get equipped with the questions as to, and always, always ask yourself, but why? Like I have endometriosis, but why? Has anyone actually said, but why is that there? Because you realise that any type of condition is being triggered by something that you're doing. You probably don't want to hear that. And it's hard when you don't know what that is and you're not doing it knowingly necessarily but there's something going on for you. I, I, um, I don't know if you, I can't ever say her surname, but the building biologist, Nicole Biao, Biao is however you say her surname. Uh-huh. I don't know if you've met her. She had nine miscarriages. Yes. And then she recognised that maybe the smart meter was stuffing her hormones up and made her husband and her move to the back room of the house and then went on to have, I think she's got five kids. So sometimes it's something that you don't know that you're sleeping in the front room and the smart meter's stuffing up your your hormones until you know that. And once you know it, then mm, maybe. So, you know, I'm just saying that you've almost sometimes got to do a 180 on what you're currently doing to get a different result. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I love it. Like if you do the same thing, you'll get the same thing. Correct. Like, Like don't be one of these people who just tries 
for 10 years and doesn't change anything. You know, if you, I think what we do is we wake up hoping that today's going to be a better day, a different day. It's going to be today's going to be the day, but you haven't done anything to make it the day. You've just hoped that it's going to be the day. So start to actually make it the day. Like, how do I, what do I got to do? And this is the thing I really do. And and then with me, and it's easier said than done. And I'm in, I'm in a bit of a funk at the moment with a few things in my life. And yesterday had the worst day. And it, I was like, you're going to have to do a 180 Nat. You, you have to turn around the other direction because this is not working <laughs> at all. You know, so how do I do that? And that's the thing. If I have those tools and I know that, you know, that I need to turn it around, well, I need to do something completely different to what I've been doing, especially if it's been years. Yeah. And it's not once and done. It's all ongoing, isn't it? I know, right? Unfortunately. So are you ready for quick round? Yes. Let's okay. Go. So I've got five questions here. Number one question I always want to know, what's for dinner tonight? Friday night. Uh, who the hell knows? Nah. <laughs> I will tell you this. My children both play basketball on Friday nights. Um, one could be playing down the road or they could be playing 100 kilometres away because she plays rep. So mm. we will get some type of restaurant dinner tonight because I ain't cooking on the end of that. Nah. Um, and I've let the cooking go a lot, I have to say. Yep. You know, I think a lot of people, if you follow me on Instagram, people will say all the time, oh, you don't cook as much anymore. I'm like, yeah, I surrendered to that. You know, I just can't do everything. (laughs) So if on the nights I can cook, yep, great. And also I do like cooking, but I don't love it. So why would I torture myself doing that every night of the week if I don't have to do it? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What is a book other than Beautiful You that you think everybody needs to read? Um, I got asked this question in the last podcast I did, which was an hour and a half ago. And I was like, oh, I like words to me are so powerful. I'm like, which book, which book? And I, Pan Grout as an author is amazing. And probably a couple of her books that I've read really changed my life. Mm-hmm. Um, more around the mindset side of things. And, you know, obviously I've spoken to that today. So E squared, E cubed, and then think and grow rich, not thank and grow rich, think and grow rich. Um, I had the opportunity of interviewing her on a podcast and I was like peeing my pants because I was so excited. Um, But absolutely, she has practical little exercises, basically the book's full of exercises, if you haven't checked out E squared or E cubed, that you can go and do and they work. (laughs) <laughs> so that was a life changer. Yeah, I need to go and actually redo them again. I was just said that to, on the last podcast. I'm like, I really need to redo that. Another book called Is It You I'm currently reading. Okay. And I think it's currently why I'm in a bit of a funk. Mm-hmm. Um, Lauren Zandel, I think, or Xander. Lauren Zandel. Anyway, it's called Is It You. Um, she asks you to profile each aspect of your life. So, you know, I'm a very positive person. I'm very happy-go-lucky. I like to see the good in things. I'm very glass half full. And I started reading this book and then when she made me put, and I would say I'm like that 85% of the time, right? She made me categorise all of the bits of my life, you know, work, family, relationships, home, blah, 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 blah. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, thought I was about 85% for life, but now I'm looking at all these little bits and pieces. I'm not so sure. <laughs> so I just need to go and do a little bit of assessing on that. And that's okay. We're all human, right? But it's really like made me stop and think when I can put them all into individual categories rather than one big life. So yeah. that's a good one too. Yep. What is your favourite quote? 
it's so cliche, but be the example. Like truly, I have mums say to me all the time, I can't get my 16-year-old to listen. And I'm like, just be an example because they aren't going to listen. And so I think for everybody, whether or not it's some stupid person that sits across the way from you at work or your mum or whoever it might be, just be the person that is the best example and then hopefully that rubs off. Nice. What's your favourite affirmation? Uh, There's always more. Yep. And last one. If you could, if all of our fertility warriors, these women who are struggling with infertility, if you could shake them and scream something at them, what would it be? Take a step back, right, and just assess what you're worried about right now. Does it really warrant the worry? Yeah. Because what happens is we're stressed out about many things. One, probably not being able to get that two lines on the stick at the moment, for whatever reason. And we end up choosing to stress about every single thing that comes our way because we're currently in this heightened state of stress. And yeah, sure, it gets a job done, but we are not operating from an optimal state. So when you're feeling overwhelmed, when you're feeling worried, when you're feeling stressed, just want you to stand back for a second and go, if I was to be an observer and hang out in the wings of my life for the next three minutes, do I really need to worry about being five minutes late for an appointment? Do I really care that my husband just said that to me and it triggered me? Like whatever it is. But I think that the number one thing that patients say to me when I ask them of all the tools that I've taught you, of all the tools of coping with stress, which is the best? And they say to me, you simply asked me to get aware of what I was stressed about. Yeah. And once I could get aware and just write it down, there was maybe six things and maybe only one mattered. So how do we just focus on the one that matters? And then using that again, if I can teach you something really, really quickly, because I know we're out of time, is then asking you, how is this problem or this worry or whatever it is that's been given to you for a reason? How do you know you get what you want out of that? If that was given to you for a purpose, and you had the power to make that take you where you wanted to go, what is that? And that's what I get patients to do all the time. So trying to just see how whatever the hurdle is is actually taking you somewhere really great if you want it to. Nice. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. I know that you have a lot, a lot of wisdom. Um, If anyone is interested, so Nat Kringudis, we'll put all of the links in our show notes for the podcast, um, natkringudis.com, and you are super active on Instagram. So I would definitely say if you want to know more about Nat, go find her on Instagram. Yeah, come hang out with me over there. I love interacting with people over there. Lovely. Thank you so much and have a great day. Congratulations. Thank you.